on this episode of Quantum Week, November 18th through 24th, 2001. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year. We talk about movies and music and headlines and stories. And today we are in November 2001. That's right. Uh, Thanksgiving week, I believe, in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we're doing Harry Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Also known as the Philosopher's Stone everywhere else in the world, except for here for some strange reason. Correct. And uh, Family Affair by Mary J. Blige. Right. Uh, so if this movie was a porno, it would be called Harry Pooper and the Sorcerer's Bone. I'd actually rather call it that. It's kind of a pooper of a movie. Uh, I guess we already disagree. You like, oh, <laughs> fucking crazy bitch. What do you mean? You like this film? Hmm. You're, you're a big uh, kids movie fan now. Uh, I'm not at all. Uh, I, for what this is, for what this intends to be, it's quite good. Boring. Way too long. It is, yeah, two and a half hours, a long, long time. It's like two forty, which Me, for a kids' yeah. movie, but that's, oh. like, but that's like that's like wild for a kids' movie. Wild. That's probably really an hour longer. long. Yeah, that's, that's that's bizarre. Um, but the problem was for me. Can we just okay. talk about the length for a second? Sure. The problem for me was I feel like it was edited really poorly. Like there were a lot of scenes where they were waiting for the kids to react. They would react, and then the scene would kind of like pause there for a few seconds. Like like. You're waiting for the kids who are watching this to react to the kids reacting. And I, I feel like you could have shaved off 10 minutes just by editing a little bit better. Just with yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's a kids movie thing. Is where, it? Uh, I think like, sometimes oh. they're waiting, like they want, you know, kid, they, the studios feel, rightly or wrongly, that children have a harder time kind of keeping up, whether it be the dialogue or the plot or reactions. Yeah, maybe. So you will see slower edits in some cases of kids movies, other kids movies, it's faster edits because kids don't have the attention span. Right. So it's a delicate balance for editors in film, uh, in cartoons and film for children to kind of have that balance. I really felt it in this one. Like just watching it, I'm like, pause, pause, pause. Okay, next scene. The other reason this might feel super long too, besides the fact that it is super long, yeah. is that just the sweeping epic of the storytelling. So sure. how this works is if you've never seen a Harry Potter movie, I... I I mean, whatever i don't know where I mean, have you been yeah i guess uh i mean seven books like yeah. it should be no like people know what harry potter yeah. is so how yeah. it works is basically it's like the school year right yep so you know when you're in christmas time you know you're nowhere near the end of the, you know what i mean like you right. always know that you have so much you more to go lines of demarcation just because yeah. strictly the, of the nature of the storytelling motif yeah how it works so that can make things feel long when you know you're buckled up for a whole year right it can make it feel arduous and it this kind of does that I think, okay, so this movie could, this movie is not even a structure of the director and the writer. This movie is simply a structure of J.K. Rowling's yeah. imagination and yeah, her vision. Sense. Yeah, uh, As the movies go on, she gets more and more power, having, as far as being able to kind of construct the story sure. to, to her measure. Having said that, she had an insane amount of power for a first time writer. I, yeah. Um, and she got to call so many shots that it typically when you, when a writer has a, a book go to a movie, say it's like Stephen King with Carrie, 
He had no power. No, he, no, no, no. You know, no. that was, that's, you know, all De Palma and, you know, he went and got Sissy Spade in the studio and stuff. Sure. You know? Particularly when you like, you pay for the, you pay for it. Right. Then it's like kind of over. Of but course. in this way, they paid her a million do- dollars or pounds. I don't know right. what it was. Yeah, a million pounds, yeah. But she still decided cast has to be British. Yes. Has to be filmed in Britain. Which is, which is crazy. She had These like crazy demands for a first time writer. Neg rights on the cast too. Yes. She could have said no to the Harry Potter character, any of the characters. Hermione yeah, character. And she could have said no. And there were even things where they were also the re- big reason the studio was willing to go along with that wasn't because they liked J.K. Rowling no. or they think she's a a, a a neat gal. It's because the books sold a fucking shit ton, right? And they knew they had some more in the back end. It was of only course. a four movie deal, so they knew that there were more than four books. So oh, right. if these work, we got to kiss her ass because you know we got to do we gotta, more. We, gotta, we have to do business with this woman again. Yeah. Um. So because of that, and that's why she only has. And obviously, we're not going to talk about these movies, but she only has a producing credit in the last two. Because oh, that was okay. part of that agreement, you know. Yeah. She, as each book went on, she had more and more power. But like you were saying, though, she had casting, which for a first, a first time, time writer, yeah. you know, a, a, to get a book option like that, to have casting—it's crazy. A casting power, I know. That is, ins- there are directors in Hollywood that do not have <laughs> casting power. That is crazy. Well, maybe too. Chris Columbus isn't the probably the strongest director, and I think he it sounded like he was like the third or fourth choice on this film. Absolutely was. So that's all. Maybe that's also a power dynamic that was there too. She had more clout, maybe globally, than he did. I, I think know. that has a, a huge reason why Chris Columbus was, was taken. Yeah. So let's take a look at Chris Columbus for a second. I know we walked through his <laughs> yeah. career when we did the Gremlins because we, he, he wrote Gremlins. He wrote Gremlins, but Joe Dante directed it. Right. And he did kind of the uh, dichotomy between someone who chooses a more creative path and someone who kind of quote, quote unquote sells out. Yeah. But I just want to kind of talk about where Chris Columbus was at this point in his career because it's really important to how this movie was made. Sure. Which I think Matt and I, as you can probably tell, we're more interested probably with how it was made than yeah, yeah. talking about maybe the movie itself. Of course. Um, so I just want to kind of just walk through where his career was. So he had, in 93, he does Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Giant hit. So he's, you know, he already done Home Alone. He does Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. Fun. So now Chris Columbus is a big name in, or one of the biggest names in comedy. That makes sense. I'm not talking like Judd Apatow, but maybe what that next level would be. Chris sure. Columbus was in demand. In 1995, he makes that movie Nine Months, which we talked about. It was yeah, a Hugh, it's a Grant, Hugh Grant. Remember, I thought it was a Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> right. It's a Hugh Grant. And that movie did not do well. And then he does Stepmom with Julia Roberts and Susan Sarandon. And Susan Sarandon, which does, which makes money, but no one would say that's a, like a directorial feat. No one's no. going to say that. I was no, like, no. you know, it's the next that's you know, the two apocalypse actresses. now. Sure. It's a fucking yeah. pretty much by the book movie, yep. right? 99, he does Bicentennial Man. Woo! Which is, I mean, a just piece a of absolute shit completely dirt. Completely terrible. Horribly, oh. horribly directed. Yeah. Horribly paced, horribly written. That whole thing is a complete piece that is of like shit. One of the worst films you'll really ever see. Really bad. It's a really, really, really poorly directed. Yeah. It's really bad. It's bad. That movie has no soul. It doesn't know what the fuck it's, it's doing. It's a piece of shit. Really bad. He goes from that to do this. So they took a director that, just like Matt says, he wrote, the first choice was Spielberg. Sounds like there were power issues. Uh, I think Spielberg had a real issue with the amount of power J.K. Rowling had. That would make sense because he fucking deserves, I mean, Spielberg, Spielberg deserves like. Of course. And Spielberg was going to basically say, call his own shots. Well, of course. He, at that point, you know, right. think about it. He had come off shuttles. I mean, this yeah. is where he was this yeah, point yeah, in his yeah, career. Yeah. So, he, you know, you had Spielberg on one end. There was someone else too. That they, there were a couple of people. I think Terry Gilliam was, was mentioned. Or maybe Rob Reiner, I thought. Rob was Reiner was yeah, mentioned. Right. There, were, there was a long list. But so why does Chris Columbus, so why does Chris Columbus take it? Because he had no clout at that point. He wasn't Spielberg. I'm going to say no clout, but Bicentennial Man fucking pretty shitty fucking tanked. Yeah. And uh, you know, now we're talking it's seven, eight years since, since this big hit uh, since yeah. Doubtfire, you right. know, like what are we doing here? So, yeah. you know, he, he's the kind of guy that's going to go in there and uh, almost like a baseball manager who's taken over a team of all stars. Just kind of sit back, let the players kind of run the shots. Now, obviously 
it's not like letting the actors run the shots because they're kids. Of course. But it's a lot more like letting J.K. Rowling and the Ma- studio. Yeah, make sort of the run the show, n- not on camera decisions. Basically, all all like the yeah. Uh, I really believe the screenwriter who worked with J.K. Rowling actually they got along very well, and he ended up writing all of the movies except for one of them. Oddly enough, his name is Steve Cloves. Hmm. Steve Cloves, I would be willing to bet good money, had a lot more power influence in this movie than uh, Chris Columbus did. Oh yeah, especially if he could sweet talk uh, Rowling into into um, you know some some moves it sounds like those two worked a real good power down like in jk rowling said that she she knew she had this meeting with the steve coves guy who the studio wanted to do it yeah so this guy's in bed with the studio and she's like fuck i don't want to meet with this guy i'm gonna hate this guy meets meets him and he said immediately says his favorite character he says guess who my favorite character is and she goes i don't know you know uh ron weasley i guess if ron is like everyone's yeah it's yeah, the yeah, redheaded yeah, boys yeah, everyone's yeah, here he's yeah. like no uh what's her name hermione. hermione hermione yeah and she and she instantly says oh this guy gets it yeah. And then from there, they worked together and they end up kind of, she almost kind of flipped him against the studio. <laughs> right. But they formed this really power dynamic. And then because of that, any director that came in, some directors, what, who came in and did it? Um, oh, shit. Oh, Anthony, or no, uh, Alpha, who's the guy who did yeah, Gravity? Yeah, Thank Coran. you. That's yep, exactly what yep, 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 yep. So he comes in and he only did one movie. I don't think that's by accident. I think he came in, probably had his fun doing it, but yeah. I don't think he was in a rush to do anymore. Right. Because I think he realized, it's a lot like the Marvel movies, like that Kevin Feige guy, he runs all the shots. He's yeah. making those movies, yep. you know? And it's like that with this. Like when it, when these, when these kind of movies become so big and so vast that the director kind of loses his grip. And that's what Peter Jackson knew was going to happen with Lord oh, of the Rings. Oh, sure. So what does Peter Jackson do? He goes and says, we're going to do this in New Zealand. And we're going to do all three back to back to back. So the success of the first one won't dictate the second one. We're already in production. We're already going with it. You yeah. know, stay out of our way. And we're going to be literally as far away from you as we <laughs> yeah, possibly can be. Other you side of the fucking world. Yeah. Us. But, Good luck. you know, obviously they're doing this in England, but, you know. That's still not doing it in California or New York or something. It's, it's, not, it's still out of the way. But it's also not doing it in New Zealand. That's true. Or Hawaii either. Yep, yep. You know, so, um, yeah, this is a, a, you know, and this movie has a look and an aesthetic that is very, it's very unique. But it's also very much how all the other movies look. Yeah. Which is so strange. Not that I've seen all of them. I've only seen a few of them. Because the different directors. You, you, you got Yates you, and then you got right. Curzon, yeah. You would think that this, uh, these movies would look wildly different. They all look the same. Yeah, they, they have, have the same, same pacing. Yeah, they, they do. They all have the same everything. Yeah, they do. How is that possible if you have mm-hmm. different directors? And strength of the writer, strength of the of the, the studio. Uh, the studio. And, and yeah. it's, so it's definitely interesting look at movie making, um, I think. You know, you know what? Other than it being boring, what else did you not like about this? I kind of I walked in thinking you're gonna like this. Nah, I mean I just okay. Uh, so the, this is a uh, John Williams score, which I thought was he got nominated for, it, and I thought it was shitty. Oh, it, the theme's good. The theme's okay. I didn't like it. I thought it, it annoyed me throughout. Um, it was mostly the pacing. It was mostly being boring in the pacing. I also thought, you know, I I realized like. I probably do a better job suspending my belief in these films than you do normally. But this time there was too many things that just like pissed me off. Like Ron Weasley in the chess game when he's on the night and, and the night gets, you know, uh, it's a stone night on this like live, live action board. So he's like riding a horse. He's riding a horse, a stone horse, but, and it gets like, you know, destroyed. The horse gets destroyed and he falls down and he's unconscious for a while. And the whole time I'm like, just get off the fucking horse. Like you don't become the chess pieces. Harry and Hermione don't become the chess pieces. They're just on the board. I didn't, like, I don't get why this was some catastrophic sacrificing yourself. I think they yourself. were chess pieces. They were not. They were just standing there. They weren't on a knight or anything. They weren't dressed up as a fucking bishop or anything. It wasn't like that. 
They weren't dressed up as pawns. He was the only one in a stone thing that the stone thing got destroyed. I assume the other two were pawns or rooks or something. Or he was yeah, a they knight. were rooks, but then but their rooks had a, an aesthetic. He was a knight on top of the horse. Well, he should be thankful, then. that's the only problem he survived. I know, but it, but the but the way that the filmmaker or the way that they directed it was like this was this huge sacrifice that he made, and after the horse was beat or destroyed, like crumbled, he fell down on the ground and then he was unconscious. Well, when it's just like dismount, bitch. And you wouldn't, nah, yeah, but that type of stuff pisses me off. Nah, that didn't bother. Um, the other thing is Hagrid. Yeah. Fucking, I, yeah, like always saying that too much thing. Right. It's like, come on. Very no much one's like that children's stupid. device. No one's that stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The lovable more, dummy. He's in a lot, that character's in a lot of kids movies. Yeah. And they kind of, it's just a way for kids to get information. He's a plot device. Yeah. Not, not a very good one. Cause you're right. My, my thing, my, I guess, suspension of disbelief. I struck like, why is this school so fucking dangerous? That's the other thing too. Why are you allowing evil to infiltrate your fucking wizard castle? I don't get that. It's a school. Like, and, and, and yeah, you're right. And they allow all these yeah, on the third floor. Don't go down there because that, you'll die. I mean, why what? would you do that? Why? Yeah. It, well, fucking lock that shit off. I mean, I, I'm going to get, obviously you have to have some sort of adventure. You know, there's no story there, but yeah, I really don't, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So those things do bother me on the flip side. Daniel Radcliffe's really good in this. He is good. The kids are, the kids kids are are good. good. They are. And actually they get better throughout the movies. Like they, you know, as an ensemble, they, they definitely improve. They're quite good in this. They are good. And the other thing is the adults are good too. Uh, yeah. You know my feelings of Maggie Smith. I could yeah. see, she could scowl at me for days and I would love it. I just fucking love her expressions. I love her. Do you, were you hoping for more nudity from her in this? Or I'm you... not looking for any nudity from Maggie Smith. It's not that kind of love. It's okay. just, she's right. so endearing with her scowl. I, I love that. Also, um, oh, who's the guy that, uh, um, Oh, who's the guy that played? Oh, Richard Harris. Yes. He's all, I mean, he's, you know, he was in Unforgiven. We saw him in. Yes. He's awesome. Yes. Um, and he died after the second one, which is kind of right. sad. So he's quite good too. A lot of the adults are good. Oh, Alan Rickman. Not good though. Not good. He's having fun. He's doing it. Yeah. Up. yeah, yeah but he's just a, like a so slow too, and like too, uh, droll. Too and, yeah. yeah. I fucking hated him in this film. And I like him in general. Dead. I, I think the, I think the actors in this do a good, I mean, obviously they went, and where they weren't spending a lot of money on, oh, they spent, they spent a million dollars. They gave Rackoff a million dollars. A million dollars. Which is bizarre. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of money. Well, he had just done something. Uh, he did David, David Copperfield. Copperfield yeah. He was kind of famous in England. I for guess. That. That's, that's oh, and they also needed to sweet talk. They must've known he was the guy. Because, yeah. And he had the look because they had to sweet talk his, his parents, parents too. Yeah. We're like, no, we're not doing this. No, we're not doing this. You gotta, you know, they had to promise that uh, they were going to protect him from the paparazzi and allow him to have like kind of a normal life. Right. Don't know how normal of a life he actually had, but that's probably why they're really sweet. He seems like he has his shit together. Yeah, he, you never he stays see, out I mean, of he, the, that. Could have gone bad. It could have gone real bad. Uh, but oh, but that casting choice got sounds like it got the one of the producers fired. Um, I saw it was because uh, Christopher Chris Columbus wanted to put so much pressure on the family to let uh, fam, uh, Ratcliffe's family to get it done that it ended up like like the I think one of the producers left was like I'm not doing this and and, oh. and bailed. I can't remember the woman's name. I wonder how she's doing now. Very homeless, homeless because. Because this was a very successful, successful so series. If you're producing credit, you can usually stick around. Right. These movies made, by the way, uh, like six or seven billion, seven billion dollars. Yeah. Cost a billion. If you add them all, it cost about a billion to make them, and they made so it made six million, six billion, excuse me, dollars in profit. <sighs> Fucking which insanity. is absolutely nuts. And then you factor in, you know, merchandising and everything else. It's absolutely Oh, insane. yeah. So you think about the whole thing. You know, the books, the, she owns the a movies. Huge, she owns a huge chunk of that. She's a billionaire. Yeah. 
Um, but I, she's a billionaire just from writing, I think. Yes, so, something like that, yeah. She, it's insane how much money she has. Yeah, so you think, right, books and merchandise and fucking movies and everything, just, it's crazy. I don't really want to get into it. We probably should always mention it. Mm. Um, her situation, she's become kind of this villain because she hates trans people or something. She doesn't, though, and she's not a villain to me. Okay. I think she's cool. She she never, she's not, she, she is uh, wrongfully construed as a hater of trans. It is weird, though, her latest book, though, I guess, has, like, men uh, I don't dressed know up it. like women and they murder people. That's kind of strange. Yeah, but it's not, I don't, that's a plot to, I, I know, but I, it's I, weird, though, with all the shit, like, all, it's it's almost like a, you know, someone is being maybe she's labeled an arsonist you. to write a book about people saying fire. It's kind of strange. Yeah, it could be. And maybe she does, I don't know what her situation is, I don't know, I don't think it's really relevant to this topic because there aren't trans people in this book yeah she also or this movie and we're also talking about the movie um and i i, I yeah i mean i just i don't see how it's like hyper relevant to what i, I thought no, it was not probably need to be brought up i guess because it's topical but yeah i don't really i've read like i've read her statements on the issue and i don't see her being unreasonable at all maybe that's a controversial take but i don't i don't think I she's think it is, trans I think it is a controversial take mm, i think I most really... reasonable people don't think that she hates trans people seems pretty clear that she doesn't hmm yeah that's gonna get us in trouble. Have you looked? Have you looked into it at all? I have a little bit. I'm not so. I'm not a Harry Potter fan at all. I think a no, lot of the either. Harry Potter. I never fan, read the books. Like the Harry Potter fandom, I like to make fun of and mock. I think people get like too into it, and it's, like, it's, it's kind of like you know lose a parade a little bit, and, and it's just it's just it's also just not for me, and it's just no, it's just honestly just kind of fun for me to kind of shit on. Having said that, these books are I have never read a page of the books, but the story from I've seen a couple of the movies and my understanding yeah. of it. It's not a bad thing for kids to like. No, you know, like it's it's fucking weird wizards and shit. I think I think it's fine for people to like. Like I think the people who are obsessed about them. That's who I'm talking about mocking. Like these people who are like dressing up as or just like yeah, these like weirdos that are just really into Harry Potter stuff. It's well, kind of funny. It's, but, be- it's because a lot of adults would read it, which seems weird. I mean, they're kids. That's books. weird. Any adult who's into this is fucked up. Yeah, I mean, I had a girlfriend who read this when she was in her twenties, and it was kind of like, Ugh. that's weird to me. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, you know how how bright are you? Yeah. Like, yeah, I can't imagine it's a pen- I'm like, sure there are a lot of people who have now. Here we are. We're getting in trouble again with our, you know, audience in our twenties who've who've read these books. This well, is, that's I think if you happen. read it when you were a kid, and you have some sort of nostalgia for it. I guess that kind of makes it. So these came out when Matt and I were both what, like, yeah, I was like 23, 22, yeah, 23. The oh, books the movie the came books, out. Yeah, like uh, you know, late well, teens. We would never have read these. Would not have been in our radar. No, I didn't. Like, really we just know wouldn't it. have. We well, wouldn't have. I didn't know it until the movies. I think. Yeah, that was my I, first real thought. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess or, uh, mine, mine too. I guess. And I never actually saw the movies until much later. I think actually when when said girlfriend were reading the book, she wanted to see the film, so I did. And I watched, I've watched the first one like a couple years after it came out, just to see what the hype was about. Yeah, and I'm like, ah, eh, this is fine. I don't know, and I feel kind of this way now. I'm like, this isn't so bad. It's fine. It's it's. I watched them all. I actually think it you gets, watched them all. I have. I've watched all. I think it's eight. Because this girlfriend or on your own. Um, multiple people I've did, but but you also really want to see what happened to Harry and the gang. I kind of liked it. Yeah, I kind of liked to like to know what was going on with them. You just no, said you didn't like this movie. You not didn't watch all these fucking no. movies. Um, they get darker. They get oh, dumb. I'm sure. That's actually I'm sure the, it's pitch black. Nah, but the cool thing is, is that that does happen. Like if you think about, so one one scene that I really did like in this film is when you see Voldemort sucking the fucking blood from the unicorn. That's a creepy ass scene. Why are the kids in the forest at all? It's so dangerous. I didn't understand that either. That's strange. Stupid. Why is Malfoy with them? He's like the outcast. Yeah. I actually thought the whole scene should have been cut. Yeah. I liked the, I thought it was really creepy. I thought it was made the movie too long. The movie gets the, the series gets creepy. It doesn't get creepy. Have you seen? Oh, you've seen them all. I've seen a couple of them. Okay. It's it's like, that's not creepy. creepy. I mean, creepy is the exorcist. This is like, this is like, this is like a tiny bit more, you know, scary than this one, which wasn't that scary. 
No, it wasn't that scary. I just think it gets darker and creepier. It's just not a typical kid's thing where, you know, it's, it's like, it's a lot of sunlight and fucking moonbeams and shit. It's not, it's not like that. It's, mm. it gets darker. Um, one thing I do like about this movie is the, like, J.K. Rowling, as much as whatever she hates trans people or whatever she's got going on with her, she is wildly creative. Like, Very this, creative. This world that she created, though, it, like, there is a lot of, like, wow, that person... There's a lot of depth to it. There's yeah, a lot was, going on yeah, here. Yeah, this very, person, that's pr- pretty pretty cool. Like, the, you never even feel like the mirror that makes you see what you want to see yeah, to, um, you know, staircases that move on their own sure. to, like, a, you know, a wand shop, you know, and then you take in a train, like... Your buddy just, owls, your even, owl even buddy. Even like the lingo, like muggles. Like even I know what that means. Muggles yeah. like us. Like we're muggles, right? Because we're not wizards or something like that. Yeah. That's what it means, right? Yep, yep, yep. All right. Great. <laughs> uh, but like, but the fact that it's like, the fact that I hate this shit and I kind of know what that is. And like, I'm not, I've never read a page of, that just shows you the power of what she's written and how like it's totally infiltrated pop culture. True. So this was nominated for three Academy Awards. Score, I said, um, costume design and. Art direction? Art direction correct yeah, didn't we, win any of them which yeah is fine. it's fine this movie does look very impressive and it looks very like i said it before but it does you feel like you're in a unique world true and to the studio's credit every you know every time you watch another one of these movies you do kind of feel like you're re-entering the same world again which is smart and they did they, they did a good job with that they kept that uh continuity and that consistency throughout the series which is a credit it's not easy to do no it's not do you um how do you feel about eber giving it four fucking stars though yeah, fuck that guy i i uh, look, I, I'm not I'm not gonna give this four fucking stars. No, right? What are you gonna give? I give it, it, give it, like it a B minus. I give it a B. All right. I give not it a B minus. Maybe maybe C plus. I like this movie more than you, huh? Yeah. I just thought it was boring. Like it didn't hold my attention. It was a, it was a slog to get through. The scenes were too long. It's just yeah. There's some good visual moments. I thought you'd stuff, watch but... it and like want to be one of these wizards. Like, oh, I wish I was there. I would. I'd play Quidditch this way. I thought you'd be doing that stuff watching it. I'm. Am I the dork on this podcast? <laughs> yes, I am. Because I think I thought it was a cool one. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're really? Not at all. Uh, no. No, I don't see myself as a wizard. No. <laughs> <laughs> I see you as a wizard. Oh, uh, thanks. Um, no, but like, you didn't, was there any like wizard elements that annoyed you or whatever? Not really. You just, you just thought it was boring. No, I mean, the magic doesn't get... it because the kids can't really do magic at this time. It gets more in depth. Oh, you like when they really get their magic, when they really shut <laughs> up. <laughs> the expertise. I do. No, I think the visual, the visual effects get better as the movies go on too. That's the other thing. I thought they were pretty good. Pretty good. For I mean, you could see, cause it wasn't yeah. too much either. Yeah. It was, the, I thought it was the, ju- there was the Quidditch game where you see, or, you know, you see him riding, um, the first time he rides a broomstick. That's a little weird, and there's I it was some pretty others, good. Some other weird stuff for 2001, when that, especially when CGI was kind of yeah, they were really some movies are just awful. You can't even watch them. Um, they do a pretty, and they spent a lot of money on this movie, so they did try to do it the best they could. I think this right. was like 125 million, which is quite a bit for a first movie of a series like this. Um, I think the special effects were pretty. I know obviously get better because yeah, they're not simply, bad. Simply just you know innovation, but because um, this is a 10 year span between this one and the and the last one, right. so I mean obviously it gets better, but. I, th- I actually thought the effects were pretty good. No, they weren't perfect, but they weren't bad. Yeah, at no, all. they're not bad. Not bad. I expected worse, actually. Like, yeah. This could be kind of clunky, but it really wasn't. No. It got better, though. I yeah. thought. Yeah. Tully hates fat people, huh? Because there are no chubby people? No, the family. Harry's like uh, oh, uncle and aunt. They sucked. Yeah, but like they shit on them for being. Like, there's a lot of like. An- were there fat jokes? Yeah, I'm surprised there isn't more. They even put a, a pig's tail on the fat boy. Oh, that's right. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was a little, little porker, wasn't he? Mm, mm. I guess. I don't know. It was, it was interesting. What a shitty family because they were they were actually 
like blood family. They were fucking, that was an aunt, uncle, and cousin. Can the, you imagine like- The aunt, her sister died. I know. And she was still angry at the sister or what something. It's very, very strange. Very, living in this little like hovel underneath the stairs. That's bullshit. That That's showed, like child abuse. That showed you some real anger that like J.K. Rowling has. Oh, maybe. Because she was, a, what, she was like a mom on welfare when she wrote this. Something yeah, like that. that's right. And uh, you can see like she has some real anger for certain segments of society. Yeah. It's like, it's like oh, that's, that's not subtle. And now she is there. Now she's a billionaire. Well, different. I mean, I think it's different than like, I think she was mocking suburbia. Probably. Middle class. Yeah, that looked like yeah, that. that's what that, that was. That, that, she was searching that, yeah. But that's what England all is. That, that, those are how, like, that's England. I, I guess. I don't know. I've never been. I've been. I don't know. Many times. I don't know. No, just once. Even once, yeah. Once, but all, all around. And it, it kind of looks like that. Kind of suburban. I mean, you have long stretches of kind of field, and then you have suburban. Kind of look like all these same houses in a, in a nice little cul-de-sac or something. Fascinating. I know you um, love it. Is there anything else we want to talk about Harry Potter? Is there anything else you got on it? <sighs> no. That's the song. Yeah. Um, my first question is, what is a crunk? <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> um, let's get it crunk. You're the cool guy in this podcast, don't you know? That's true. That's true. You're the wizard. Let's get it crunk. <laughs> I'm not a wizard. We gone have fun up on up in this dancery. We got you open. Now you're floating. So you got to dance for me. Don't need no hateration. Holleration in this dancery. That's the, that's the lyrics. Um, my issue isn't so much the lyrics. Oh, those are terrible, obviously. But my oh. issue is more just, it's just that, that's the whole song. You just did the whole song. Like, it's just that's over it. and over yeah, and over that's, again. That's, that's it. It's, it is. Um, and the, so the video version is only about three minutes and 40 seconds. But the album version is like four and a half minutes. And you could really cut two minutes off there and you'd be done. Probably cut, I don't know. What do you say? It's four and a half. You probably it's four cut and a half. 345 off? You probably could, yeah. End? I think it's 45 seconds on. Yeah. So this, um, there was another one. What the hell, what the hell does she fucking say? Um, she says something fucking ridiculous in here. Well, we'll get, I'll, I'll come to it. But so this is a Dr. Dre loop. So Dr. Mm. Dre goes in the studio. He's got a, you know, he's got his bass player and his keyboard player, programs some drums, does this little, you know, two chord loop. Obviously, he's like, well, that's not very exciting. Doesn't do anything with it. And the following year, sends it to, to Mary J. Blige and says, hey, can you do anything with this? She puts down some lyrics with her brother. And, uh, and that's it. And that's the song. Now, you would, like, I don't, I, what I don't get is why this was number one on the Hot 100 for six weeks. It's not even that. So Billboard came out two years ago with their, like, it was their 60th anniversary. Two years ago? Yeah. Because I've got... I have, this is going to make me cringe because I've also got like the 90s or the 2000s. Yeah, go ahead. So they had like 60th anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All time Billboard songs ever. This was 99th. So basically they oh. said it was the 99th biggest song of all time. Oh. And you're like, wait, what? It, so it hit six weeks atop the, the top 100. Which is wild. The Hot 100. I mean, this was, a, this was a huge hit. Huge hit. So the Hot 100, once again, is album sales. Uh, it, it, um, it also hit... The number hit number one, the top forty. So that's spins. Yeah. That's that's radio plays. Hot one hundred, um, the hot R and B and hip hop, um, and the number and um, number one on on the rhythmic chart too. So four charts it hit number one. Mm-hmm. It was at that. So it yeah. The last chart I saw was seventy ninth biggest hit of all time. That was sometime in the like the like two thousand ten or fifteen. But now it's still ninety nine. So that's fucking crazy. And it was the twelfth biggest hit of that decade of two thousand <laughs> two thousand ten. I mean that's just. 
Oh, she says percolating instead of percolating. Mm. Like, come on, come on, Mary. Come on. Fucking, what are you doing here? I just, Mary J. Blige, you know? I mean, I, I just, it's just not for us either, you know? I, I guess not, but who's this, like, who let, let, Well, I think it's a lot, you know that movie, uh, <laughs> Stella got her groove on or something like that? I've got her groove back, I think, and I never, yeah, I would right, never, I mean, Angela Bassett's in that, right? Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. me some Angela Bassett, and I would not watch that film. No, I mean, it's just not when we might, when they have to for the show, potentially, but, uh, right, but like, Right, but I think it's someone who goes to that movie, I think, is going to be... Because it's a lot of that... I was trying to read up on Mary J. Blige because I just know nothing about her. No, me neither. And um, a lot of that was like, oh, she's got her groove. She's going to help you get your groove back. Like, getting the groove back yeah, was apparently very important to people <laughs> who enjoy Mary J. Blige songs. I, I don't know what a groove is. Why you need to get it back? Why you lost in the Why first place? It? What happened? Hopefully it's good. Or yeah. It's good you got it back. But I think it's just for like... It's for an entirely different demographic than us. I guess so, Yeah. I know that um, that she, so her first album was when she was like 20 years old or 21 years old. See, I, I feel like Mary J. Blige was there for a long time in my growing, like in my youth, right? Was she there for you? Not there for me personally, but no. just like she was kind of around yes. on the radio and stuff. So I, I just remember her forever. So she seemed, I felt like, thought at this time, maybe she was old. She wasn't. She was only like 30 at this time, but she'd already kind yeah. of had a hard life, a lot of drugs, alcohol, mm-hmm. sounds like some abusive relationships. And so maybe that's like, this is the first album kind of getting my groove, like getting my, my, my head on straight okay. and removing myself from those kind of abusive situations. Maybe that's what that means. Do you know any men that like Mary J. Blige? I mean, we could, we should do a poll. I, I've never, I've never heard of any man saying that to me. You think this is a big lady song? Oh, like I mean, empowerment I, song? I don't know if this song in particular, uh, but like her as a, like a musical artist, she appeals to only women. Like, yeah, you're probably like right. Almost to like ridiculous. Yeah, no crossover. Probably like similar to, I'm trying to think like who, like, I don't know that many women that like, like Rush nine inch nails or nine inch nails. Yeah. Like, but like a lot of guys do, but like, that's just not a, a stuff. A lot of women are going to be like into, and I get it. It's aggressive and stuff. And like, it's not, you know, but I, but on the flip side, like something like Mary J. Blige is just not appealing at all to men. No. But for some reason, women seem to like it. And I don't, maybe, I don't know. I mean. I guess. I mean, she sold 50 million records in her career, she, which you, is pretty impressive. Huge success. Yeah. I, you know, and I went through some of her other hits. I didn't I, really remember. Honestly, them. I didn't really recognize most no. of them. A couple I did. This one most was the most recognizable to Definitely me. Definitely heard this one. Um, but the other ones, I, don't, I didn't even really know. And I'm like, oh, this is like a whole genre of music that I'm just like not familiar with. It's not for me. I don't like it, but like whatever, I guess. I, I mean, it's hard for, it's kind of hard to like critique it. Cause it's just, it's just so, it's just not for us. Well, it's so not in our wheelhouse. No, it's not. The other issue though, is she doesn't have a very good voice for like someone who's sold as many records as she has. And like, like an R and B artist. You think yeah, exactly oh, like, like oh, a like, real strong voice. Yeah. She just doesn't No, never has. Uh, like, I, yeah, I was, I was going back through her old discography, discography today too. And I was listening to it and not, not a lot there. Not like, not like her contemporaries, you know, No, at all. Um, Whitney and Mariah. Whitney was very like famous at the same time, you know, until her so Mariah Carey. So is Mariah Carey. Yeah. They've got, they both have way better instruments than, than Mary J. Blige does. I don't understand her popularity. I don't get it. I don't, it makes no sense. The other thing, so, um, the other, remember who's that? Who's the soul patrol guy we, we mentioned before. Oh, yeah. I can't so remember. we just call him soul patrol. We'll just call him soul patrol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's like a similar song where there's not much to it. It's not bad. Like it's an okay song, but there's not much to it. And it's very repetitive. And you'd think you'd hear it a couple times and then it'd be gone. And that song, that soul patrol song guy saw like only spent, you know, one week well, on the, it was ho- the fastest, and, and, and fastest one off the billboard. This is like that kind of song for but me. This is the opposite success. I know it was forever. Um, it was forever. So I don't, 
I don't get it. I don't understand like the the drive. I mean, there's like there's no even so Dre's like, Mary, you really gotta put a bridge on this thing. Like it's too repetitive. You need to put a bridge on this thing. And and uh, and bridge is, you know, usually like a departure in the song, right? And here's the here's the bridge she came up with. It's just, how's that a departure? It's just the same fucking thing. Positive message? I guess. Don't need no haters. Yeah, but the other thing is, why is this a family affair? I don't understand the context of it either. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, it sounds like people going to have a party. Maybe like her, like her friends or like her family? Like be positive and come and dance on, on the floor. Get, let's, let's get a crunk. I always thought crunk meant like. Um, and yeah, I thought it was like getting like like. I like, thought it was like high or like stoned yeah, or something. Like yeah, like really fucked up on drugs. Yeah, but she she was departing from that. I thought so. I don't. I feel like we. This is like the most like the whitest or whatever we've ever sounded on a show. <laughs> it might just, be. I, 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 it just, might be. But I don't understand the song. But I, we just so this is just so removed from us. Which is strange because usually like something that's number one for that long is going to appeal to a mass audience. So it's pretty yeah, understandable right. for everybody. Yeah, because it like, hit all those charts. Yeah, and you're like, all right, well. It might not be for me, or we might mock and stuff, but we can kind of understand this. So I, I, I hear Mary J. Blige talking. I'm like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get who. I don't get I it. I don't get like any. Like, okay, like like Boys to Men, right? They're singing. Boy, we both don't like Boys to Men. <sighs> no, okay, but Boys to Men are romancing women through song. Yes, yeah, so you can understand it. Which I, right, I don't like this. I don't really understand why women feel that way. But we all can admit that women enjoy. Some women enjoy getting romanced by a song. They Therefore, do. that song succeeds. Right. Okay. That math equation works. Yeah. Who is this for? I don't get who it's like, for either. What is this even doing? It doesn't even feel like a very positive message. So it's not uplifting. Well, it's no not, haters. We like that. Kind of, but it, yeah, but all right. So a couple. You're a hater. I'm not. How I hater? You're more of a hater than I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, like there are more female empower, like better female empowerment songs than this. Like way better. I'm thinking like um, like Christina Aguilera songs or whatever that are just yeah they were pretty popular or, this time or too. Beyonce songs right. that are like way more female empowerment and this isn't this is just kind of slow and plodding and doesn't change much and the lyrics are nothing and she got nominated for an oscar well uh have you seen mudbound i haven't i, haven't. But I want to it's, it's on a netflix, netflix. Movie. I, yeah. I didn't see it no yeah um, she's all she is good um i watched this i don't know if you would be into this with the umbrella um, yeah i might i don't want to say it but it's got i know it's gotten good stuff but she's in that too she, and she's good she's right? cha-cha she's great yeah she plays she plays a great she character she's, she's a very good actress she's badass yeah i think she is a very good maybe actress. some just like talent thing she has with the music just doesn't connect or we just yeah. can't it just it doesn't just doesn't work for us but she's obviously has she's, she's obviously talented st- yeah it's not like she can't sing. She just doesn't have a very powerful. She's, a, she's had like longevity. She, you know, she's yeah. a good actress, or maybe even a great actress. You know, like she's got stuff going on. I, I just doesn't. You know, I, I'm not trying to. I don't hate this. No, we just I don't understand it. I just don't get I it. I don't get it because there are other. We'll do that in a second. But why don't you want to watch uh, Umbrella Academy? It's very good. It's like the superhero thing with kids. kind of, but it's a little. It's kind of like it's, but it's a, it's a bizarro take on it. Just like the boys is. If you watch that, the boys, yeah, the boys on uh, Amazon. I don't want to watch these superheroes. Watch things. the fucking boys. I don't, it's I'm it's good. badass. I'm good. Good. I'll, I'll pass on watching boys. Thanks. The boys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see this. I don't want to see boys. It's I'm, the I'm, boys. I'm, it's not boys. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I'm good. I'm good. I don't know. This is not very. Good. Why won't you watch that fight? It's. Why won't you watch it? Have you? You don't even know anything about it. I, it's I, really good. I, the I, first I, season's really good. The second season's watch okay. It, okay. Yeah. We can have this conversation. I don't watch a ton of um like shows. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't binge shows typically because like 
I usually like, watch one, like let it settle. I, it's just how I just uh, take in media, you sure. know? So I'm more of a movie guy. Uh, and um, I, I'm watching Cobra Kai now. So I'm kind of enjoying that. I'm kind of being, every once I watch like two or three episodes in the same night and it's, it's kind of crazy for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm enjoying that. But uh, to just like walk into like a streaming show that I have no connection to, like something like that, it's not something I typically do. And if it is, it's not going to be like about superheroes. Like I don't, I just don't care. I don't, I don't like watching movies about kids or watching shows about kids. Like I don't, I'm not, not interested kids. in children. The boys but, are. But the Umbrella Academy is that right? No, they're adults. They're all adults? Yeah, they're all adults. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, you all... see flashbacks to when they're kids, but they're, they're adults. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing's about adults. And yeah. they used to be superheroes, but, but I know there's like, so there's a twist too as well. I, I'm, I'm yeah. just good. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm Whatever. Good. And the so boy, what's the about boys about? The boys, it's just uh, if superheroes do not have your best interest in mind. Oh, so like uh, kind of the Hancock kind of thing, but e- but we're, no, but these guys, but like they're, e- they're fucking evil, like sociopaths. Oh, so yeah. it's like bad guy superheroes. Yeah, but yeah. they they put a you know their face forward is that they're trying to say like say but it, save you, but they're not. They're like they're they're sociopaths. Yeah, yeah. it's good. I am, what's that on? That's an on Amazon. Uh, maybe I, I get it. Check out the boys. Check out the first right. season. It's good. Watching boys back to cha cha. Um, so so the you know that so this is like this just two chord repetitive song, and like we've talked about before, it is possible to do like repetitive songs in a cool way, kind of the same vibe. So many different lyrics, though. Oh, totally different so it's lyrics. Not, I don't, I do not put this in the same plane. It's still, it's very similar, I think. Beat wise, but, but this, the lyrics keep you engaged. They do, yeah, but they the very advice song doesn't have that. No, it doesn't have that. That's what I'm saying is you can be engaging. You can be. Yeah, I guess, but you need to have more than 30 seconds of lyrics. But even this. Yeah. See, this song I love this song. After a while. I fucking love it. I could listen to this forever. It's better than the Mary Divine song. Way better. But it's the same thing. It's a very, like, simple, repetitive, you know, loop the loop is, I agree, but the lyrics are so... The problem with this one is, not only is the loop repetitive, but she just sings she the same is. old words yeah, over and over yeah, again. Yeah, All about crunks. Yeah, whatever it's about, it's just, it's just it's the same 30-second loop over and over, you know, verbally as well as, you know, beat-wise. Yeah. And I just don't, I don't understand. I don't understand it either. Maybe someone else can tell us. But the, that's all I have like for the Mary Groundhog Day of songs. It's the same thing over it and is. over and over again. It it is. All right, all right, move on. Let's so go. So why, but why do people, I don't get why people like it. I don't get why it stayed atop the charts. I don't get why people bought it. Why would you ever buy it? You hear it once, you understand it. You can sing it in your head over and over. I don't know. Why do you need to have Mary J. Blige singing it for you? Why do you need to pump that on your fucking radio? You don't have to do that. It's just, it just, just hear it once. You heard goes it goes on your head. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Like, do you like, Maybe it's just because it's easy that most people can't sing and it's just easy to kind of hum along to. No, people are singing their car. I mean, I'm not a great singer, but I sing in my car. I have fun with it. And like, you know, oh, right, that's not can, it. Can you sing for me now? Sing a little, little Mary J. Blige? I can do that. I don't practice Santeria. <laughs> I ain't got no crystal ball. <laughs> Come on, it's not bad. No, that is great. Thank that's, you. That's very good. <laughs> I appreciate that you did that. Most most people would have not. I don't give a shit. You don't give and a I shit also, I'm not, you know, I'm not like you. I don't sing, sit around singing, watching boys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the boys. Um, you know, I got stuff going on. I'm you like, got you know, stuff going on. I still think it was a good Jobless and you've got stuff going on. I am a very busy man. <laughs> oh, I, uh, yeah, busy. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing, uh, oh, yeah, we get over this whole bit. Yeah, yeah. So they just, <laughs> this is a very, oh, very organized show. Who this cares? Is, this is when we submit for the Marconi. Fuck Mary J. Bly. No, that's not her fault. She's fine. No, she's fine. I guess. She's fine. Right. She's fine. She's fine. No, I think about doing a, um, uh, a, a blog. Uh, the kids do blogs nowadays, right? 
No, but okay. uh, but you might. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to do like a bracket of all the movies that were uh, on the AFI Top 100. There were two lists, so it's actually more than 100 films. What? How's it two lists? I don't, I don't, because one came out in 97 or one came out in 2008 or okay. 99, I'm sorry, in 2008 or something. So uh, there's actually 123 movies or something like that. Oh, really? Because some got dropped off and some got added on. You know, between the two lists, the two lists are on the same exact 100 movies. So you don't keep, like, the new one as the, as, like, the definitive? A, I'm going to lump all of them together. Yeah. And that gives me almost 128 movies so I could have a giant bracket. That is a big bracket. And then I'm going to then have them face off against each other and then decide which is the greatest American film ever. How are you going to do it? Like, one versus uh, 128? Well, the first five movies get a buy. So, like, Kristen Kane will automatically move to the next round because yeah. I don't have 128 movies. Right. But the number six movie would then face off against the number 120. I'm, I'm sorry, the number 123 movie. Okay. And then from there. So, um, yeah, I think the first matchup is going to be the 64 versus 65. So it's Forrest Gump versus Duck Soup by the Marx Brothers. I don't know that I've seen Duck Soup. Yeah. So uh, I'm pretty excited to uh, start the So I'm going to probably... It's going to be hard out. to compare the two, I think, when you're like, you know, generationally it's different. It's really hard to compare the two. Yeah. But that's kind of where the, the fun is, hopefully. Sure. And uh, I'm going to... Because you're going to write about we're it. We're taping this early. I like, mean, it's late at night. It's it's nine thirty at night. We never night, do it this but, late. But we're That's t- why I'm a little we're, punchy. We're kind of like bunching these together because you're going to be away. Because I'll be next away week. next week. Right? So I have nothing to do next week. So you're going to do. So all- when you hear this, you're in the middle of me in a week of nothing to do. So I'm going to create this blog. I'm going to go on and design it. I guess with the tools or whatnot. With the tools, you mean WordPress? Is that what you're going to use? Yeah, right. Some some. Or I'll, Who's going to do that for you? I'll I'll figure it out. I'm going to do it my own. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, this yeah. Gonna be, I got this time gonna, to do this. Yeah, it's going to look so awesome. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to do this. Now it's going to look awesome. <laughs> and uh, and I'm going to write uh, like little essays about each of the matchups. Like little, you know, like little. I don't know. You know, say 500 word essays about the matchups and stuff. And, cool. Uh, yeah, and then and then uh, you know, do one every you know every week or so, maybe if I have time because I'll have to watch two movies at the matchup. Jesus, yeah. So you know, maybe every week, every two weeks, I'll do an update and I'll um, it'd be a fun little project, I think, right? That's going to take you a long time to yeah. do that, right? Yeah, because it'd be 127 matchups, right? Jesus Christ, yeah. Right, so yeah. I mean, they'd be pretty fun to compare. And there's some movies in the list that I've never seen. That I, or, Which will be good some, to go back. Something like Duck Soup I haven't seen since I was in high school. Like I yeah. should go back and visit that. And some movies I haven't seen at all. So I'm like, this is a great excuse to watch some. We never talk about classic films here. Yeah, we'll never get there. Because we, we, just just, the structure yeah. of our show. So I'm like, oh, this gives me a chance to go back. And the AFI list is heavily tilted toward older movies. It's, they are. It's very biased toward recent movies. So it's almost like a perfect thing for for us, for me to do, because it's runs. You're not going to cross over a lot. To yeah. almost everything we do in this show. Do we need to get an like an older co-co-host, like a 75 year old guy or something, so we can get into like the 60s? No, no, I agree. Um, because still, because we do might, because I'm the youngest, so we still do it. Cause it's oh based yeah, we still be fucked. Yeah, yeah, right. So yes, I'm going to do that one. That, I'm, I think I'm it's gonna a good work idea. On that yeah, this week, that's fine, yeah. right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I'll read it. Good. But are you going to be loneliness? I'll call you. We'll we'll talk this week. That's okay. Ah, <laughs> you used to like our chats, but now I'm an old hat. <laughs> you got your boys. <laughs> the boys! <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, you want to talk about where I was at? Yes, um, uh, we're in uh, November of 2001. Yeah, exactly. So this was like the first... So I'm, I'm kind of in the middle still of uh, my first sick phase. I'm like fucked up for a year, which we won't talk... We don't have to talk about that. I think we've talked about that before a bit. Uh, a little, but that, that a little bit, but talk about that about this phase, I guess. So. Well, yeah. So, uh, well, that started um, over the summer, and we'll get to that in more detail. But I'm still kind of fucked up. That it was a year tough part of my life. Um, couldn't breathe. Tear like lost a lot of weight. Like couldn't eat all sorts of shit. But 
I get like my first real job at this time. Before okay. this time, I did like retail. I was like a busboy at a restaurant or I delivered pizza. Like when did you graduate college then? I graduated in... 2000? It was actually 2001. Okay. I did an extra semester afterwards. I couldn't keep it. This is ridiculous. But as a music major, I had to take more classes than anybody else in the fucking school. It's ridiculous. But I'd have to take seven classes a semester because you have to take all these instrument classes and all sorts of shit, but you'd get all these, like, one credit for for all these classes that would last, you know, as much as long as these four credit classes for everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't keep up. And I was an RA, and I was trying to work, too. So I was like, fuck this. So it took me an extra semester. So I didn't end up graduating until 2001. Okay. So um, this year? E2 till... Yeah, but it was in the... Let's see. Maybe it was a spring. It was in the spring. Okay. Right. But I, so I was only doing like retail jobs and shit. So before this, sure. I was like Gary's Beverages in Portsmouth and Gary still owned it, uh, which was crazy, ridiculous place to work. Um, but then, and then I, like I painted some houses, but I got hired working at my first doctor's office. Oh, <laughs> yes, okay. Dr. Matt. Uh, and it was very interesting because it was a group interview. I'd never experienced anything like it. There was like, 15 of us in a circle and that's how they kind of called the herd. They sort of called everybody in and just saw how they were. Um, but I was the only dude. And <laughs> so, <laughs> but actually that gave me such an advantage because you're always going to be rem- If you're the only of right. something, you're yes, going to get remembered. Right. So, you know, as long as I was personable and seemed intelligent or whatever, I, f- I liked my, my chances against most, most other people. And I ended up winning that job. And when I, uh, they were, the doctors were looking, it was a chiropractic office, actually. They were looking for two people at the same time, a front desk person and like a tech. They wanted me to do X, like take x-rays and do what like scans. What made you want to apply You're just like, hey, I'm just like, I didn't need a job. It was either in the paper or a Craigslist or something. I can't remember the time and I needed a job. Yeah, I was done uh, this in the summer. I painted houses and I was, that was a tough like I said, I was sick. I wasn't doing it. Yeah. So there were weeks at a time kind of when I wasn't doing much. And I, but I needed, I, I needed something that was stable and was going to pay. So you just basically go to all, anything. anything and anything. Yeah, like, anything. I'm just going to try anything and just like see what. Yeah. Yeah. And a doctor's office seemed like a pretty, you okay. know, compared to like fucking, you know, painting houses or something right. outside. Uh, seemed like a pretty easy thing. Okay. Um, but it, so I ended up getting hired along with this other woman who's going to be the front desk person, but she quit like a week after. So I ended up like running the front desk. There's just three of us in this office. Um, and like, I learned all the, I, I basically learned everything about the office. I learned like all the front desk stuff, um, kind of like the office flow, the, like the, you know, the pay stuff, the insurance stuff, paying bills, all those things, the accounting things, all that stuff. And then they hired a new front desk person. And, and then I went and did like all the back office stuff. So I was doing all the new patient, um, you know, uh, entries or whatever. I was doing the, like doing all these scans. And like I said, x-rays, I was drawing on films, um, sort of assessing them. I just kind of got the feel of everything in the office. And I worked, I ended up working there for three years. And I, like, this was such a, um, it was very transformative for me because it was the, it was like my first real job and I did an awesome job. They loved me there. I learned everything about that office and again, like I gained so much confidence right. for work, kind of working that night. And, and they taught me a lot in terms of how do you deal with money and like just, just uh, the, you know, they had a lot of like self-improvement and, you know, how do, how do you, um, I was like exercising a lot, just kind of improving in many different ways and gaining a lot of confidence, which was 
directly the reason why I was able to get a job when I later then moved to California and started a kind of a different career. I was in the mortgage industry for a while before I left. Right, right, right. And I had like no contacts out there. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? And I ended up getting a job at a doctor's office. And it was, you know, only because I had experience doing doctor stuff earlier in my career that I ever got that job, which ended up, um, that not that one, even though I got paid pretty well, but it ended up parlaying the one to ophthalmology practice, which was a huge job where I made a shit ton of money and had a lot of responsibility. But it was directly because of this job that How long I got those. The, uh, this job for three years. Oh shit! Yeah, until so I was like twenty six. That's and, a long time for like 20, a first yeah. job. First like a, real job. That's yeah. a long time. Well, they treated me really well. Yeah. I like. I still love those. They're they're awesome people. They taught me so much. Like really good to me, and I built a lot of a lot of confidence from. Them. Like I, you know, sometimes I'll see them around and yeah, like, yeah. it's always really awesome to see them they're so cool and they've even said that i'm like their favorite employee that they've ever had <laughs> which is a great thing no but that makes you feel good like that you can execute they're fucking lying to you they're not lying to me why would you be a, there's why, no why reason why they the would favor like what why would you be the favorite of course i'm the favorite why because i have um the highest integrity of anybody that you know motherfucker that's not true because <laughs> i work hard and you can trust me right. and i have yeah, high integrity yeah. and all that and oh. i do a good job but it gave me a lot of confidence to be able to like yeah, execute no, at a high level. Yeah, no, I mean, like when you have your first job, first real job, and you don't fuck it up, yes. it does really like, oh wow, I can hang with the grownups. Yeah, it, it feels good. Because the other jobs were such bullshit. Like working at, you know, me, I was a manager at Gary's Beverages, but I was basically yeah. like doing inventory and working a register and whatever. It was all bullshit things and. People are fucking smoking cigarettes behind the fucking counter and you got drunks coming in at six in the morning. It's like, this is not a real job. No. Right? So I, I went to Gary's uh, uh, about a week ago and I went and just picked up some ciders. Usually we have, I've actually been getting ciders shipped from this company I really like. This is Austin East Ciders. These are fantastic. Yeah, you've had that orange can. I, have, well, I, have, I bought all the time. Sure, one of them. Are they um, good? Because they just finally started selling to New Hampshire like the last couple of weeks. Oh, okay. So I went and bought like a fuck. So I found these in Iowa yeah. on a business trip. Yeah. My favorite site in the world. And I've been waiting. And if, a couple weeks ago, I got the message. Uh, I think when I was in Maine. Yeah, it's like an alert. Yeah. I have an email alert <laughs> yeah. and they send me emails with news. And like we can ship to New Hampshire now. I'm like, wow. holy fuck. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars of cider. I have in my basement. <laughs> right now, this stuff. Yeah. I, this stuff is like, oh, it's gold. But before this stuff's coming in, I, I didn't have any cider. So I went to Gary's and got some stuff. Fucking guy, like not wearing a mask. Like, no, 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 fuck, no, dude. no. Fucking four is dirty as fuck. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. No. And now it's so that was, uh, Gary sold it when, like, at the end of my employment there. Okay. I ended up didn't, I didn't get along with the new owner. I liked Gary a lot. He was a crazy bitch, but, um, he was like a, he was a former IRS agent. And oh. so he kind of knew, yeah, all the like workarounds. And it, you know, whatever. It's probably a front, a front for him or yeah, something. Yeah. I, I didn't see anything weird, but it could have been. But he he was in his like early forties and made a shit ton of money on Garage Beverages and fucking cashed out probably sold oh, that thing for a million something. They still call it that. There's I know. Still two of them. I know. Uh, yeah. You're right. There's two of them now. It used to be on a big one. Big one was on Deer Street, but now that's where the the um there's a a parking garage yes. there now. But but it was uh who bought it was an Indian family Deepak. I can't remember the the um his wife's name. Mm. But you didn't like them. No, because they they really they wanted to change everybody out like they wanted oh, to, they want to put like their own people yeah stuff. exactly so they didn't treat anybody well and so i i was like okay this is for me i'm, I'm mm-hmm. gone okay that's where i'm at we got for headlines headlines we are in thanksgiving week of 2001 we are i read the new york times how i get the headlines so i'm sure you can imagine what <laughs> this was a rough yeah. uh i've never seen um one story dominate like an entire week like and i've been doing the new york times thing since we've been doing the show yeah and um 
crazy. Like we are talking like nothing but this nine eleven stuff. Yep. Um. So here, just some, just some things that I pulled from it. I mean, they're all the same. It, it was just it's all the same. It's yeah. all the same. Uh, U.S. troops search for Bin Laden. Uh, create a twenty-five million dollar reward. Um, oh, that's right. For, to to try to get him, obviously. Um, this isn't. This is kind of. This is kind of related, but not really. But is just ninety-four-year-old woman in Connecticut dies from anthrax uh, inhalation. She's the fifth American to die from anthrax. Remember the anthrax scare? Sending it through the mail. Yeah, because it, it went right? to the right, White House, I think, once, mm-hmm. and maybe a Senate office or something. I do was remember it Rison, this. too. It was going there too. Something. Yeah, also I do got, remember. It anthrax. got sent to like CBS News too or something. Yeah, but this yeah. was a big deal. Like people were really, if you're younger, you don't remember it. People were really scared of opening their mail. The mail. Yeah, no one sends anthrax in the mail anymore, huh? It's just I, not mean, really I don't done. know how much it even was happening then. I mean, obviously, it sounds like a yeah. it was, but a lot of it was just the fear it created because you know America was terrified. I mean, around this time too, I remember um, this wasn't a story came out, but I remember people like there was rumors there going to be a terrorist attack in yeah. the malls. Yep. So people were afraid to go Christmas shopping. Yeah. And it was just like this dread and fear that just kind of yeah. I was in a college bubble at the time. We'll talk about that uh, when we come back on Saturday. But I, so I'm, you know, when you're in college, you're kind of insulated from the real world. And I definitely was, yep. but you still had stuff permeate through. I was doing sound on the campus of uh, UNH that day. There was live concerts outside and I was doing a sound. Oh, 9-11? And, yeah. But I mean, like, even afterwards. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, yeah. It just, it just, it just, you just, there's just like this, like I said, fear that, especially that back end of 2001. I think in 2000, 2002, it started to dissipate a bit, but 2001, like everyone was just on edge. I mean, and, um, you know, hundreds of Taliban troops surrendered in Northern Afghanistan. Um, and you know, you read their article in the moment and it did kind of feel like, Oh wow, this thing's almost, almost over. But like, once we get bin Laden, we get a few more of these troops to discern it. This thing will be over. Like if you told, if you had told this, <laughs> that's going to be 20 years. Yeah. Like, and, and there's still never people, ending. Like, it would, it, all the stories in that tone had it been like, cause like America, like the American forces were going in there like full boy. I guess yeah. all these troops surrendered and they still bombed the shit out of town. Like they're like, fuck it. We're going to fucking go in there. We're going to break heads and going to find Bin Laden and come back and end this thing. And it just kept getting, obviously for political reasons and everything else, it could kept getting, you know, the goalposts kept changing. Oh yeah. And oh, now we got to go into Iraq. Yeah. I, but like the tone though, in that reading those articles that were written in November, say 22nd of 2001, it's a very different feel. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's really interesting. It was really sad. Cause like a lot of the articles are about how like people were like, didn't have a place to work anymore. Well, and they were still finding bodies. I think the fires were still, were still under, you know, under the wreckage. Yeah. Like people, people I like, couldn't get to like their neighborhoods and people yeah. didn't get to like where they used to work. And they're like, people like, well, where am I going to like, my, I can't get to my office. I own a company. Yes. Everyone in my company survived. Thank God we're fine. But we were say, you know, the next block down from the trade center, but we can't get in there anymore or yeah. our building's been destroyed. What do I do? And there were like articles like that, or it's just like, but every front page had nothing wall to wall the entire week of 9-11 stuff. It was just yeah. like, oh, you know, that's what it was at the time too. You know, that's what it was. There's a rise of Giuliani too, which is really funny if you like kind of in retrospect, because he's, he's kind of a parody. He's, he's a, kind of a cartoon right. now. And it's funny because, yeah, he was just about to leave office too. Right. Because his term was over in January 1st. So you're right. This is kind of his, you know, Ascension, it really was yeah. his greatest moment. But yeah, now he's become this like cartoon Parody, character. Yeah. yeah. It's a... Strange life he's had. I think so. Strange American life he's had. So when Steve Robinson quotes, um, you know, go to funerals that you've been invited to, he, whatever, go to every funeral you've been invited to, mm-hmm. which is a fucking misquote uh, from 
Rudy Giuliani's book, Leadership, which I read, which he says, show up for events. He says, show up to weddings, show up to funerals. And Steve Robinson bastardized that to show up to in funerals that you're invited to. It's ridiculous. That's, yes, but I think- invited to funerals. But I think, well, you are, no, you are in, no, he just, I mean, he just like If you use a funeral event. of someone you know, just go, you know, kind But of that's thing. the way you say it, right. Yeah. Show up to events is what Giuliani was yeah. saying. It's a good rule of thumb, though, I think. I think so, uh, totally, but not- I mean, try to go to weddings, try to go to funerals. Exactly, but not know. show up to funerals you've been invited to. Right, I know. It's, 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 Always accept an invite to a funeral. It's like, you're not invited to a funeral, bitch. You just go. This is what our shows do now, regurgitating uh, 15 old Kirkman and show bits. I've had, this has done. been a beef of mine for quite some time. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you got it out on our show. I feel you so probably do that on Twitter uh, by yourself. Yeah, um, I was afraid of the backlash. So we are, <laughs> while you blocked everybody, <laughs> so backlash, everyone you follow likes 141 you. now, yeah. bitch. I'm <laughs> 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 142. Yes. Uh, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, I don't have any followers anyway. So, uh, what? I, I popped you up 5% you yesterday. You You're did. fucking welcome. More than that, I think. Um, we are back, uh, on Saturday with, yep. uh, heist, which I'm actually excited to talk about. And I can be your hero, baby. Enrique Iglesias. Yes. And, uh, I guess we'll see you guys. Uh, well, we don't see you though. We talk about, we talk about this in the yes, show. Right. We'll talk to you on Saturday. I guess we'll see you then. <laughs> See ya.